My guest today is Thierry Chow, someone who I've been so excited about getting on this podcast because not only is she multi-talented, interesting, and has such a presence about her, but also because today is going to be as new and spontaneous for me as it is for you guys listening, because I've never had a real conversation with her outside of today's interview. So what we hear today, you know, to be fair, I've heard stories about her, uh, things about her life, and... That sounds kind of strange, but you know, she is someone who is so fascinating to people. Uh, she's a feng shui practitioner. She's a designer, but I, you know, I feel that there's a lot more to her than the hats that she wears. So, without further ado, I'm really excited about this one, guys. Welcome to another episode of Sit, Chat, and. think Hong Kong is ready to have full-time artists? Yeah, I think Hong Kong definitely is working towards that and it might be, um, it might take a little more while, but I can see how there's certain things in Hong Kong that is kind of disappearing. I think it's the authentic stuff about it and then, but there is also the creative side that's kind of blooming or trying really hard to do you think there is? It's becoming too gentrified, and will is there is there a lack of the influence of the local culture that's going to affect the creative side of the locals to come up? Or is it just the foreigners that are coming in and doing the creative mm-hmm. stuff? I think it's both. So I think the local community they don't really have that sense to appreciate art that much, or they don't think it's that important. They don't have that in their culture. So I think a lot of foreigners or people who are educated or came back from, you know, the West and they study art in like another area or in another country, then they come back and then they start doing a lot of creative stuff. So, and I think that's why Hong Kong have so many people like that because a lot of people, they just like flew away for like a couple of years and it's quite international. Mm -hmm. So I think it still has that potential to expand in that area. Do you feel that locals do have to get out of Hong Kong to learn their craft and then come back or is there, is there opportunity to learn that here? I think there is depending on what kind of stuff you want to learn. I, I see that there is a lot of the local um, authentic craft or craftsmanship. For example even just like learning how to make um, like a mahjong, like a whole set of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the old way was to hand make those things. So I think there is a lot of those kind of things that you can learn in Hong Kong, but it's a matter of, you know, if you want to learn that mm. instead of, oh, maybe you can fly to Japan or Taiwan or the West to learn like how to make leather items or leather shoes and um, yeah, so depending what you want to learn. But it's strange because there's such a huge demand in China for mm-hmm. for leather goods, for things of, of you know, luxury. Yeah. And so like my my girlfriend studying at Parsons and mm-hmm. I think a lot of the foreign students come from mainland mm-hmm. China so do you think that's their interest in that is is for a commercial business aspects or is there actually a need to get some artistic expression out there yes I think it's um, especially in China and, and even Hong Kong nowadays are quite commercialized so even if 
there is a high demand for, you know, the leather goods or but it's mostly the the brand names and so it's not not as much of how to do it. It's right. where to buy it. Right. So you, what did you study? I studied, um, I went into fine arts and then I went into illustration for four years. So I graduated with a Bachelor of Applied Illustration. When you applied, what is it that you wanted to do with that? Um, actually, at first I wanted to be like maybe a, a book story, you know, like maybe I draw storybooks or um, just something to do with art um, and or maybe a painter. Mm. for galleries and stuff but I just you know my whole life before I came back to Hong Kong that was my goal <laughs> did you did you do that from a young age yes I started from super young like I knew that was the thing I was you know I, I guess it's the only thing I was good at really <laughs> yeah because <laughs> I wasn't good at like I didn't pay attention in school because I didn't have the attention yeah um, I couldn't focus so I wasn't I couldn't. I think I can do math and I can do science, but I just didn't have the attention to focus. So the only thing I can focus on was like drawing, and doodling right. in class. And when you went there, was it like, was it a whole new kind of thing for you to meet people who were like-minded mm -hmm. and who also were interested? Did you meet people who had similar sort of experiences? You were saying that, you know, at school you couldn't do the mm -hmm. the math and stuff. What was that like? Um, I think in Hong Kong, I, I finished grade 4 in Hong Kong and I think a lot of them really focused on like math and you know like you need to study like almost every day and do homework every day so it wasn't really creative mm -hmm. and then I went to Canada and there were a lot more freedom so they encouraged me to do more art because they knew that was the thing I was good at so, so I think it's different yeah I went there and the place allowed me to to be more creative. Did you feel yourself becoming more aligned with your what you wanted to do and did you shift as a person? Yeah, shift um, a lot because when I came back to Hong Kong for the first two years I still maintained like teaching art and doing a lot of design and craft and stuff like that and then because of my father I had like this big shift so I you know uh, kind of choose to do the family business instead but alongside with art okay so I heard the story which is why <laughs> I had to get you on this podcast yeah <laughs> uh, Johannes told me the story about uh, you hitting your head yeah and then what was to tell us about that because that's okay yeah that happened when I actually around when I first started dating my fiance so that was like seven years ago mm. so we went tobogganing in Canada and I remember you know when we first started dated and then he was like oh you know let's go tobogganing it'll be fun and we'll bring a friend and when we got there on the first run downhill me and him were on the same cart so he was in front I think and I was in the back so I remember just going down and like the rest of it I could not remember what happened wow. Apparently, I, okay, I regained my memory in the car. So that was like in between, I could not remember what happened. Really? Yeah. And Till then today? No, I can't remember. Wow. <laughs> so I like kind of blacked out. Um, and then he told me that what happened was when we went down, 
I guess I hit my head really hard on the way down and he saw me like getting up but like I walked back up a hill right. and I sat down and I seemed fine but I don't remember doing that and I'm like wow. and then he was like yeah and then he kept asking me the same thing over and over again so I guess I kept asking um, oh how long have you been here <laughs> and oh he's God. like he said five minutes and I'm like and then after two seconds, I'm like, oh, how long have we been here? So someone, as someone who is so spiritual, what do you think happened at that point? Okay, so for me, I felt like my soul had left. And then when I gained back my memory, it's almost like this new soul came in. Wow. And then after that, even the things that happened... Um, I became more sensitive to things, so like, you know, I would, with people, with space, and it was different, and I, because I wasn't good at um, memorizing things or, you know, school, and then even after that, because I was still in um, university, I remember being like, oh man, now, now I can like, really memorize things really well. Wow. <laughs> I like... When I had a lot of trouble in school before, and then after those, after hitting my head, those few years, it was like so easy for me to do school. Wow. But I think in a spiritual way, it's almost like I gained this like ability to maybe open up a, a door for me. It's so funny because normally when you hit your head, it's the opposite that yeah. happens. <laughs> it's like you get stupid. Something cracked open. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was weird. So what did you start seeing? What You said people, the way you see people and things. What, yeah. What, what started to change? Um, just more sense of like, uh, if I meet somebody, I would automatically know if they're good or not. Or Uh-oh. I can... <laughs> well, yeah. I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, scary, but I can yeah. basically read people's minds, but in a way where... Wait, you could read people's minds? Not in like a, oh, I, I know what you're thinking right now. Right. Or what you're, you're thinking in your head. But for example, like me and my fiance, we'll be sitting beside each other. And then like we didn't talk, like we wouldn't be talking. And I'll just turn to him and be like, oh, yeah, you can go get a beer. And he'll be like, how did you know I was thinking about like that I wanted a beer? So it happens quite often. Really? And I start having a lot of dreams. And the dreams were... Um, I would dream about, you know, friends or some disaster and then it would happen. Oh, wow. It would become like, so I kind of can sense it that way. So I know when things are going to happen and I know, can like sense when people, what they want and what their, you know. Intentions are. Does yeah. that scare you that you know that? In a way, at first I was like, maybe I, I thought I was going crazy. But after a while, like kind of came to terms with it that. Maybe I'm just more sensitive after <laughs> yeah. that I hit my head, or maybe I just gained the, that like ability. Do you think there's a science to that? I think yeah. It, I mean, if it's explained uh, scientifically, I did read about it where a lot of people who had concussion would actually gain new talents or new like ability. For example, this guy, like, he had a major head trauma, and when he regained his, like, you know, health and stuff, 
he knew how to do like math that nobody could ever like do mm. yeah so i was like oh and i start reading about that so i was like okay maybe that's what happened like maybe i just like certain parts just like opened up or <laughs> yeah it's quite so you is that what prompted you to come back and work with your your father i think it does have um maybe it's the right timing too when i came back to hong kong um, i started having a lot of those dreams in hong kong and I start getting more intense and more accurate and then uh, in those two years, the first two years I came back, I started teaching art and I did different jobs and and I guess I still felt like I wasn't doing something that I, even though I knew art was my thing, I still didn't feel like I was doing something that make, made me happy. Mm-hmm. And then I, one day it just came to me where, okay, my dad's like a function master and like why not you know learn from him it's something that nobody has really done in terms of like combining art together mm. so the idea came to me suddenly wow yeah so maybe it's the right timing and you know maybe maybe hitting my head was just the start and yeah. then i became and i became more and more spiritual and then i met johannes like two, almost a year and a half ago and I remember being like, it was really amazing because we basically hit it off, you know, we became really good friends and he was like, oh, you want to come to this class with me? Like that my, you know, this guru that I've been going to see for a while. And then I was like, okay. <laughs> I just went with him and then I was go like almost every week. And you, when you first went to class, you knew that the teacher was right? You knew yeah. technology was right? Yeah. Like right away. Wow. It's... Um, the first class, I remember, she was talking a lot about, I forgot what she was talking about, maybe, just like, even just about spirituality or how can you become spiritual. And I remember just listening to her and I'm like, oh, this is like, I really like listening to what she's, what she has to say and yeah. it really makes sense to me. Where does, where, because obviously that's Vedant. That's mm-hmm. uh, based on Hindu philosophy. Mm-hmm. So, how does Feng Shui tie in with that? Um, I think a lot of it. I realize it, kind of connected in a way where um, you know I deal with a lot of people, and I think with myself and with how to deal with clients, it really helped me to think, you know, wider, mm. uh, and I don't see the world as just one flat like i used to think of it as like one piece of paper mm. and i see it like a like a picture but now i see that it's more than just a paper it's like could be like 15 different paper like stacked up kind of thing can you tell me <laughs> so i think i just learned to see things in different perspective okay instead of just like oh that person's you know why is he doing that? Like he's doing it wrong or he's doing bad things. And I get upset. But then now I learn to think, okay, maybe he has a reason. Right. Yeah. Or maybe something happened in his life that made him that way. So as in like if someone is hurting someone else, mm-hmm. he's been hurt in the past. Yeah. So therefore, instead of judging him, you yeah. kind of see the story yeah. behind that. And that was the one thing that I learned to try to do better, which is not to judge people. Mm. And it's really easy for me. <laughs> to do because <laughs> I see so many different people and yeah. they have so many different like um, 
everybody has their own problems. They come in and they talk to me and they're like, oh, you know, I'm getting divorced or, you know, my life is not going well. Yeah. So, and it is a lot of, it can get stressful. Right. And, uh, yeah, and also we look at a lot of space. So we go to people's homes and, and then um, just learning how it works. Where b before maybe I only see it as like statistics or math type of thing. Right. Now I see it as oh some certain things could be just energy or like how how come a place becomes like that? It's maybe because the people who lived in it had that kind of energy. Hmm. So I start to think of things like that. Do you do you kind of see little energies like for example in this house? Mm -hmm. Do you see different energies or? Um. Now yes. Like I actually pay more attention to like the energy of this place like um, for example yes there is some places that has different energy and could be really bad sometimes yeah but um, yeah and then I just learn how to you know what my next question is gonna be <laughs> <laughs> how's this <laughs> yeah what do you just just to, like I, it'd be so cool to have an example mm -hmm. so what do you you can be totally honest yeah well when I first came in like I Automatically, every time I go into somebody's place, I would just have this. Uh, I would feel the place, and yeah. then I would pay attention to like how it's laid out. But um, number one is how I felt. Yeah. So when I first came in, I was quite calm. Yeah. Yeah, and just um, it made me feel um, quite calming and relaxed. So it's it's good. That's so funny because that's not the energy usually. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, when everyone's out of the house. Oh yeah. Then, yeah, then, it's yeah, calm. Yeah. yeah. But usually it's a word. <laughs> so maybe like it's complete opposites. I don't know. Yeah, maybe um, it's... Because uh, a place changes when people... Play, yeah, yeah. Like when they're present. Or and do, do previous occupants leave their energies? Yes. And sometimes it could be really powerful. But sometimes it could just be like kind of lighthearted and mm. not very effective. Do you have to be in a vulnerable position every time you read people or places? Um, what do you mean by that? Like, as in, do you obviously you have to be uh, you're sensitive mm -hmm. to be able to read that? Do you feel that you're in an you have to be completely open and free, or is yeah. it more analytical? I think it's both. That's why it's so it could be so exhausting because yeah. we need to do a lot of math. So it's all statistics, and mm -hmm. we look at um, a lot of it is scientific. For example, you know, like how much how much sunlight do you get in your home, and how does that determine you know, your health and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it could be about math, so it's like direction, and we, you know, measure the degree of your direction. And then it also could be feeling about the person who's living there, and then the place, um, maybe the previous people who lived there. Um, so it, it all like, and I have to be really um, prepared mm. for it when I first, when I go into somebody's place. Mm. And we have to be really careful sometimes because mm. we could pick up really bad energies. Yeah. So yeah. do you have like a protective bubble that you're in or something? To yeah. Which is lucky because um, I didn't realize that it could be so terrifying. Yeah. So when I first when I went to Malachi, um, the class really helped me to realize that there is a protection bubble that you can, you know, yeah. learn to protect yourself. And has that helped? Definitely. Tell us a little bit more about that because I'm sure a lot of people mm -hmm. walk into spaces and 
or people walk into their spaces and mm -hmm. all of a sudden you know the atmosphere changes and there's a tension in the room mm -hmm. how, how, how do you do it? Yeah, well, I was taught to um, think of you know, certain colors around yourself so for me, I think of um, you know, maybe the color blue or the yellow to just imagine that like bubble around me and that could help me to kind of protect myself in a way from you know, bad energies mm. and then the second is it's also actually we need to really be careful the timing that we go in so oh. once it gets too dark like the sun is down yeah. then we don't go to why what, what happens well we um, as the feng shui um, yeah, the study we believe that the worst energies come out during certain times so when the sun when the energy of the place is the most negative, which is when it's darkest, that's when all the negative energy is the most powerful. When you say negative, what do you mean by, by that? Um, for example, uh, like spirits, which in a lot of places there is. Yeah. And what do they, what do, they do? Um, they sometimes, they linger in a place and if we aren't careful, then we can pick it up or it can like you know, follow us away or follow us to where we live, that kind of thing. Is it a matter of, I mean, their intention as spirits is it to, it's obviously not coming to frighten us, but what mm -hmm. is what is that attachment to the spirits that follow us? Why, why are they there? Why are they present? Yeah, I think some of them, um, you know, there's things that they still want to do or they still want to say. So depending, maybe they, you know, see a potential opportunity to maybe ask somebody for help. So for example, if they see someone who notice them or who is there, then they they think, oh, like maybe I'll just you know, follow that person and get what I really wanted to do or wanted to say. Right. Yeah. But I really believe in, or also that there is a lot of dimensions in the world. And sometimes people just get, you know, their soul or their energy gets trapped in certain dimension. And then so is that is that a matter of um, living life on Earth, and then when they pass, is it because they have unfinished business? Yeah, or you know, a lot of times where maybe they passed away in a really bad um, way, or they don't know that they had passed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. Which I mean, or if they're too stubborn, or you know, they have some unfinished business they want to do, then they do get trapped. Have you had any quite crazy, experience, scary experiences with any clients here or anything like that? Um, I do get a lot of clients um, kind of asking for help. Yeah. <laughs> for example, they'll call like, and they'll be like, oh, like, this happened in our home. And our there's this one time that one of my friend's friend who had a, a helper at home who was looking after the baby. And then I guess the, the the friend and the husband were out doing something, and then the helper and the baby were at home. Right. So the helper had called the uh, you know the the friend, and then she, she was like frantic, saying she saw some something <laughs> in the home. The helper saw something. Yeah, in the home. Right. And then I guess the girl like the. The friend was like 
thinking, okay, it can't be really that bad, but she had a weird feeling about the place too. So she started thinking, okay, she thought she had saw something, like maybe a month ago, and she kind of just like brushed it off. But now the helper says, okay, I also saw something. So she asked me for help and to get like somebody to go in and, you know, try to get rid of whatever that bad energy is. Or to just even look at the place saying if there is something there. Yeah. And I, I personally don't do that type of work, but I do refer other, you know, ghost expert or... Did you know <laughs> what was happening? Um, well, I found out that after there is something in the place, and it had followed them home from somewhere. Why? I don't know. I feel like when my first intuition was it was for the baby. Oh. Yeah. So the baby had an attachment, yeah. even though it was just a baby. Mm -hmm. Why? Why? For me, my intuition was that maybe it was somebody who really um, had a like a connection or like a attachment, which is more of I can't let go that type of connection, and then I had followed them home to, you know, try to stay with the baby. Or Babies, you know, come have just come into this world, and spirits are, have just left this world mm -hmm. so is there some sort of connection there i think it could be um even like a family right member right yeah, that happens a lot <sighs> yeah or um really interesting stories would be we, we do have a lot of clients who have dreams and they would often dream, dream about their past grandpa or grandma um, and in the dream they would maybe for example uh, one of my clients would dream about the grandpa um, in the dream, like the grandpa was like all wet and then really cold and uncomfortable, and she'd been dreaming that for like a couple, couple times, and keep reoccurring, and so she had came to me, and then uh, she was like, "Oh, what does it even mean, right?" And then we told her that actually we had past experience that sometimes your past family would come to give you messages or you know, tell you what's going on. And for that kind of case, it's usually because something about the, the grandpa's grave is, there's something going on with it. Oh. So she went to check the grave and they had to basically dig it up. And they realized the whole thing was covered, like soaked in water. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I get a lot of this type of, experience and seeing clients experience these things so dreams you know dreams by western psychology are the subconscious but there's so much more than that according to this mm -hmm. their messages yeah and i think um i mean for me ever since i could dream about things that is about to happen that's when i realized it's more than just you know I mean, the Western people or Western way of explaining it is it could be just your brain trying to process things. Mm. But for me, it's maybe it's because when you're most relaxed, it's when you sleep. Yeah. So maybe you pick up certain vibration or certain feelings or even, you know, um, like different energies when you're sleeping. So. I believe that when you sleep, that's when you pick up that those messages. And it's about how to crack it. If you can 
understand what it means. Mm. Sometimes it's quite literal. <laughs> like, it's just be like your grandpa standing there being like, oh, this is what happened. <laughs> right. But sometimes you have to analyze it. Yeah, sometimes you have to analyze it. I, I did this dream analyzation once. I don't know. I don't know. You can tell me more. Mm-hmm. Um, he said it's not just about the subconscious. It's about the unconscious. So mm-hmm. everything that is in the unconscious and that deeper, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. So what you have to do is look at the symbols mm-hmm. and look at what they mean to you. So, mm-hmm. for example, if someone represents uh, a friend of yours in a dream where there's chaos, mm-hmm. but that represents, the friend represents calm, it's finding mm-hmm. something that is, that are the two symbols and yeah. what that, how that relates. Yeah. So, you, it's a, is it a mixture of analyzing it and also going by intuition and finding that balance or how yeah. does it work? Yeah, I think it's also um, depending on who you are and I think everybody has a different way of dreaming or how the way of uh, cracking that dream is um, some people it's like reading books mm. like some people like to read fiction some people like to read like true like uh, like uh, what do you call those like nonfiction yeah nonfiction so depending if you pick fiction then you might want to have a you know, crack your dreams in that way. Right. And then nonfiction, then you can crack your dreams in that So way. there's no right or wrong. It's yeah. just whichever way you choose to see things. Mm-hmm. Okay. And for myself, I go along with intuition and feelings more often. Yeah. And I, like, whenever I have a dream, sometimes I don't know what it means, but a lot of times I know what it means. And that's when I... Usually I think about, okay, how do I feel in that dream and what did I see? And a lot of times, um, actually depending too, is if it's dreams about friends, mm. it's quite little. And then when it's dreams about like disasters, then it's quite, um, it could be quite like, uh, for example, like I had a dream about the, the Japanese um, the disaster that happened like five, was it five years ago, the tsunami. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I had a dream about that like two months before it happened. And I remember I was like quite, uh, I was on a cloud kind of thing, and then I just looked down and the whole place was like, like wiped out with like water or ocean. And I just knew like that was so clear to me what's gonna happen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, instead of just like maybe you're chased by. Did you know it was Japan in the dream? Yeah. So do you feel like you're in a position where you have these dreams and you should say something? Mm-hmm. Or do you feel like it's going to happen one way or another? Um, number one is when I first had these um, dreams and this way of knowing what people were thinking, I was afraid that to talk about it because I didn't want people to think I'm... Crazy, yeah, yeah of course. Or like, oh, you know... And then I, I guess I was like, when it first happened, I also was like, oh, what if it doesn't happen? But right. then it does happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so and it, it was good because that's when I was kind of lost. And then I come to a point where when I met Johannes and then he told me to go to class. And then now I realize that maybe certain things are meant to happen. Yeah. And uh, I guess I would just try to help as much as I can. And if I do my best, then, yeah. 
And I guess even my occupation now is quite... I help a lot of people or I like, give them a lot of advice. Yeah. So just, yeah, do my best. And do you... Um, did, when, when this happened, did it change your relationship to your friends, to your family? Did the dynamics change because you could see things very differently? Yeah, the one interesting thing was I started telling my dad about it and I realized that he had the same thing but that I didn't know. Oh, wow. So I was like, oh, this makes so much sense because, like, I'm so much like my dad and it makes sense that I get these kind of abilities from him. And I'll just be like, yeah, you know, I dream about this. And then he'll be like, oh, yeah, I dream too. <laughs> <laughs> and they often, you know, become true. And then that made me feel better because me and my dad's relationship yeah. had bonded like right. crazy. Um, and then, actually, with me and my fiance, the the relationship kind of even became better in a way because when it first happened, he was the only one that I would tell these things to. Yeah, and he wasn't quite. He was like, oh. Like quite open about it. That must have been scary because you yeah. must have said like, "Oh no, what if he leaves me?" Because I'm like, he might think I'm actually crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, and good thing that he's quite good with that. Yeah, and he was really supportive. And and after a few times, he was like, "Man, like, you know, I can't not believe you because all the things that you've been saying is becoming true." Yeah. And yeah, and um, yeah, and we became close because of that. And, He's really supportive, and and every time I dream of something, I'll just be like, oh, so yeah, last night I dreamed about this like this afternoon, and he's like, he's like, where? <laughs> and yeah. Does he ask you about like what's gonna happen with my work? What's gonna be, or do you not entertain <laughs> that stuff? That's like you'll um, find out. I do because we do kind of like the Chinese fortune telling, hmm. but our way of doing it is we make sure that we don't tell people too much mm. so it's just a way to give you guidelines mm -hmm. and to give you okay if you're lost then we'll give you that direction and so he often do ask us about okay you know how's my year looking is it going to be better so we'll say yeah like this year you're going to be you know have a lot of opportunities and mm. so how much free will do we actually have um you mean in terms of like in terms of because you can you can see into mm -hmm. people's futures but you're you're restraining from what you tell them so how much free will do we you you know what's going to happen mm -hmm. so how much free will do we actually have as individuals um i think a lot yeah and i think it's all about um what you decide to do and how you decide to go about making your decision and how you live your life mm. and I think so everybody has a lot of and where does destiny come into play with that um, I think everybody has a destiny and I think it's not really about for me I learned that it's not about the destination but it's about the journey mm. and it's really true because you know, no matter who you are and, you know, who you or what you think your life is going to end up to be, if you're going to be successful or not. It's about looking at the details within that life that you have. So, 
if you enjoy being with friends and you know um, just appreciate things then mm. you doesn't matter what destiny you, you might have or yeah um what what was your what was your first spiritual experience I think it might have been the dreams. That was the first thing that came up and that was really, for me, it was really spiritual. So that was before the accident? Um, oh, you mean like before the accident? Yeah, like the oh, first before. one you ever had. Um, before the accident, I I wasn't really spiritual. Mm. And I, I think I just wasn't running into people or running into things like that. So, oh, and maybe for me, Creating was my the way I deal with that, and it was the way I become. Or when I'm spiritual, that's when I'm drawing. Mm. Yeah. Do you have I'm... like a process that that every time you do something creative like that, is there mm -hmm. a process that you have? Um, I really enjoy. I don't really have a process because I just like painting. For example, like I like drawing things that I see. So, for example, there's a um, bouquet of flowers, then I'll just paint that. Mm. And the process of painting that, that is my, yeah. That's where you get your joy? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, I guess, um, the, fin the finished product, when I know that I've, um, you know, maybe knowing that I'm good at art, I think that was the, yeah, the enjoyment. Right. <laughs> Did you, how, so how are you combining, you were saying you were combining feng shui and mm -hmm. art, how's that happening? It's, uh, so far it's working pretty well because I guess not a lot of people had done it before. So now I'm going into feng shui and creating, for example, if there's products that feng shui master would use or they tell you to put like a, a bowl here with water in it then I would think of a new way to design that bowl mm. yeah, and to make it more modern because the ones that you can buy now are still really um, old school yeah very <laughs> old school but not in like a good way right <laughs> yeah. right yes there is like I really appreciate authentic stuff but sure. there is uh, certain things in feng shui that is I guess people think it's superstition but I think it could be very healthy and it can be very natural yeah, which I'm trying to create right now to make people understand it in a more modern way and mm. yeah because I think they often say oh you know it's the flow of energy here or it's the way your furniture is laid out and I usually just want to explain it in the more um, for example okay do you feel comfortable mm. the way you put your couch like that Instead of just saying oh, there's energy this here, is something yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> not everybody can see that, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so this uh, I did branding, so I have a, my own logo and uh, which I saw, which is really cool. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So that's the thing I started doing, and then now stepping into doing the products and the website and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. How do you find that balance between? something that is so spiritual and sacred mm -hmm. with something that is so artistic mm -hmm. and eventually going to be commercial mm -hmm. or is it just everything is spiritual what do right. you feel about that 
I um I thought about that because I often worry if I want it it to become so commercial. But I think for me it's all about okay, if it does become commercial, then how can I make it into a good thing? Mm. So my goal was if it does get to that point and a lot of people know about it, then I can use it to um, spread the words about maybe doing more environmental stuff and more um, about, you know, how can you deal with pollution nowadays and technology and all that stuff and just try to bring more awareness of for to people about the environment mm. and to maybe help a lot of people with um, not so fortunate living yeah. space because there are a lot of people who live in like bird cages. Yeah. yeah. So, in Hong Kong. Yeah, so that's my... <laughs> what goal. I really love about your work is that mm -hmm. you've combined spirituality and art, which mm -hmm. is something that is so... For me, I think the process of anything that is artistic or creative, mm -hmm. you know, like life, everything in life, I believe, is spiritual. There's no difference, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it's just about having a perspective that makes it spiritual. Yeah. That's the only difference. Yeah. Um, with your work, when... When you do what it is that you do creatively, mm -hmm. do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about what, you know, are you a vessel? Where mm -hmm. do you see yourself in the whole picture? It's weird because it kind of changes along the way. And I think I'm more of the creator of this whole thing. Like, I'm the person who think of the whole idea and like how it would work and and I think that's my I became how do you say it whereas in before I wasn't so good at thinking about like, like these kind of things and now I'm better at that right yeah so yeah it's, it's kind of weird actually <laughs> because <laughs> um I kind of feel alone sometimes because I've never met anybody else who is doing something like what I'm doing but in a way there is people around me that can inspire me mm. so I think I just learn from for example my dad and I take the things that he had learned and I create something new for it and then I think that's my role in life is I just I learn things from people or from animals or from trees and nature and how do we actually look at these things and learn about life instead of just always looking at ourselves mm. yeah it's um, more important to look at the things around you so there's so many things that are inspiration around you mm -hmm. do you have favorites um i do i think for me my dad always obviously is like the the number one reason why I started doing it. And then I think friends and I love animals. Mm. So um I think my I have two dogs now, so they probably just keep me um complete and I feel complete when I have these things. The beautiful thing about animals is that they're always in the moment and their love is unconditional, right? Yeah. <laughs> which is Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, where, 
you know, when you since you've been coming to these classes at Malajis, mm-hmm. what would you say that you've learnt over time that you can look back on and say it has helped you the most? Like what about the class that helped? Yeah, you? yeah. Um, I think it's, uh, ever since I went to the classes, it had helped me to think of the world differently and think of people differently, and that really helped me to open up myself more to appreciate people more and appreciate what I have more. Yeah, and just not to be so stubborn about certain things. And where I used to think I'm right all the time, mm-hmm. but now I'm like, okay, <laughs> there is times that I'm wrong. <laughs> what What is it that made you do that about the class? What, did, which, what aspect of that? Um, like about like. So what is it that you learned in the class that? Um, I think because she taught about how to be spiritual, how not to judge, and what love is, and and she always explained it in a way where. It was so intelligent and just so much more open that made me and the, in a way I I'm lucky that I understand yeah. the whole concept yeah and that it helped me to start thinking that way and to open up about the world right did you have any big or do you remember any aha moments in particular from you know, since the accident happened, like certain moments where you, like a penny dropped and suddenly you realized something so different from what you actually knew? Um, there is, I think, ever since I hit my head, there is so many moments where I'm just like, like I used to think the world as like, so simple, but now, it's complicated in a way that it's simple too. <laughs> it's uh, weird. Um, how okay. to explain it? Like, I guess it things make more sense to me now. Mm. Like, why people are the way they are. And I would start thinking about. So, before I would think about, okay, the earth just has humans and there's space and there's. I don't know if there's aliens up there, but <laughs> it probably is. And then now, I think of it as, okay, so why are we here? And I ask these questions, and I ask, like, so, you know, what is the point of being here? Mm-hmm. Instead of just being like, yeah, I'm here because I'm, you know, biologically <laughs> supposed to just, like, get married and make babies. <laughs> And survive, right? Yeah. Yeah. But now it's just more spiritual in terms of like, you know, what am I learning? And why do you meet certain people? And what they help you to learn? And, and that there is a past life. Mm. And whereas before I never thought about that. And now I'm like, okay, there must be something I did before that from the past life that made me do this now. Mm. That made so much more sense. Is that true in China? Because that's true definitely in Hindu philosophy. Is that true in Chinese philosophy too? Yeah, or? we talk about a lot about that stuff. But I think um, a lot of people don't... Uh, I think the Chinese people think of it as more of a like a fictional kind of story. Hmm. But 
um, and not a lot of people talk about it. Mm. And I think if you learn to see it as a spiritual thing, then it can be healthy. Mm. Mm-hmm. How do you get away from all of this? Because this is all very intense, I'm mm-hmm. sure, and very like it must get on your on your nerves a little bit mm-hmm. sometimes. How, what is your way to get away from it? Um, I think that's why the classes are good because um, it it was so intense when it first happened and then now because I understand it a lot more then mm-hmm. it become lighter right yeah um, instead of just mm, you know worrying about it now I learn to just kind of embrace it and like if I have disability then maybe I'm just meant to use it to help people. And I think that's where I focus my energy in. Mm. Where do you see yourself in 10 years' time? I hope to. I've never asked that question before <laughs> for some reason because you're yeah. a fortune teller. <laughs> in 10 years, I hope to... The things that I had said before about helping the environment and helping people, I think in 10 years, that's when I want to see myself in there so more bigger picture more environment rather than and do you believe that starts with individuals one at a time or do you think there's a there's a way you can influence on a bigger level yeah i definitely believe in a bigger level and um i'm thinking of how to do that Hmm. to bring it bring it to a bigger level how can we find your work? Where can we keep up to date with all of your... Um, you can... I will have a website in about... Sometime this year. Okay. My goal is to have the website ready. And then I do have a Facebook page. And it's called um, Terry Chow Feng Shui. Okay. So I do update my... Because I do workshops and I do a lot of um, design work and different projects okay so I will upload those information on on that page for now I'm gonna I'm just gonna look at it now just so I can ask you some questions about it you're into fashion yes tell me a little bit about that (laughs) (laughs) um I I think starting from a really young age I because I was so art well I knew I was so artistic and and I when I was young I wanted to be a fashion designer hmm no, I grew older, it just didn't happen. But I continue to be really into, you know, the things I wear and how do I dress. And uh, just really sensitive about it. So I would know the next season what's going to be. Mm. Like what's the color and what's the, the trend. So I thought about um, interpreting that into what I do now. Which is um, because a lot of people do want to know, okay, what color should I wear to balance my you know fortune and so I was like oh you know why not interpret fashion into it and just because I'm you know have a sense about it so I can teach people how to dress and you know how to match and and then at the same time a lot of younger people would pay more attention to it sure yeah instead of you know because when it's very old school they don't want to listen no. that you think is boring so you think fashion has a profound effect on our being mm-hmm. yeah definitely yeah and I mean not everybody has to dress the same way so that's what I was teaching about you know 
two different people. Is you can be who you are, but um, you know, it's like find, finding a, finding out who you are, right? And what you can dress like. <laughs> Do you think that fashion is is both? Then it's an expression of mm-hmm. you, but it's also a way to kind of change your mm-hmm. energy. Yeah. Is that what? What yeah. it is? Yeah, definitely. How interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you, did you, you do some modeling as well? I did. Um, once in a while because, I don't know, I just kind of tend to fall into that kind of um, stuff. Like people would just ask me to do, to do some, for example, like, um, what's that called? The Reebok shoes? You look great in it. Thank you. <laughs> I think yeah. And then, funky shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd be like, oh, can you like dress in these shoes and we can like take pictures of you and you can help promote the... Because now it's quite popular to do that kind of stuff. So if it's something that I enjoy doing, then I do it. Awesome. <laughs> so that's your Facebook page. You have a website that's coming up. Yes. Do you have anything else like a blog or... Oh, uh, I am working on to do a fashion blog. Okay. Which is... Bring, like in the process of brainstorming right now. Very cool. Yeah. It's very exciting. You have a <laughs> lot of place that you're spinning. Yeah. You're quite young as well though, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. I'm, well, I'm 27. You're younger than me. <laughs> oh my god, I had no idea. <laughs> How old it feels you? like you've accomplished a lot. Uh, I'm 29. Oh, okay. That's yeah. still pretty... Pretty young. Yeah. Pretty young. Wow, okay. Yeah, because I, for the past... I've started learning feng shui for four, about four years now. And I did not stop. Like, I just worked so hard. Mm. And now I come to a point where I'm like, okay, I think I need to take a break. Yeah. So I'm pacing myself more. Yeah. But for the past four years, I've worked like my ass off. Do you think you're going to stay in Hong Kong for the rest of your years or go back to Canada? I think one day I want to go back to Canada. It has a really good energy about it, doesn't yeah, it, Canada? it does. Mm. I loved it. Yeah. And bigger space. <laughs> Definitely, compared to this yeah. <laughs> box. <laughs> Thierry, thanks so much Thank for you. coming on. It was so good to talk to you. Yeah, I was saying so at the beginning of the podcast, you know, when yeah. I do the recording before, I was saying that you're the first person I've had on this podcast that I've never had a conversation with oh. outside, really. Like, you spoke a little bit. Yeah. But it's been so good to speak to yeah, you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Yeah.